Before we get to the show, I want to tell you about a message from our friends at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, that cancer does not stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors, or 1,762 steps. You could do it inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way up. Join us for an opening ceremony, and then take your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we get together to climb together, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. On this episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to talk about Ian Begley's report that a respected veteran and a young and talented player may be interested in joining these Brooklyn Nets in the offseason. Juicy. Nice, Mike. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello. Brian. Check Ugh. us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, <laughs> NetsDaily.com, uh, The Athletic, to get 40% off at The Athletic, which I urge you to do if you like sports because we are beginning to uh, get inch closer and closer to basketball returning, yeah. hockey returning. Thank God. NASCAR has returned. Oof. Um, the big The big three. The big three. Uh, soccer is returning if you're a big EPL head. Footy. A little footy. A little footy. If this continues, Brian's series of impersonating British people. Oh, Michael Caine. People and really like the Michael Caine impression. Your guest, Michael Caine. Um, it's the W, Michael. Theathletic.com slash glue guys. 40% off an annual subscription. Brian, what a weekend, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, I live in Brooklyn, Mike, and there was all kinds of, all kinds of, wild stuff happening so i don't know we we've been we talked about it a little bit before the show and here we are on the show talking about it we don't really know what to to say say you know ultimately like um but we did want to say something right i mean that's that's where we're right. at yeah both of us are sensitive to the fact that well, at least i am that i'm a white guy trying to talk about something in a moment that really i'm sort of out of place doing but all i kind of wanted to say i think and brian agrees with me is that we fully support what is happening in terms of the goal. And for me personally, it's Twitter's been like a very dangerous sort of place this weekend because you will see obviously some signs of protest that is really powerful and strong. And then you'll see people kind of jump in there and send a bunch of really awful videos that is happening from people who aren't protesters. You know, the, you know, the, the other things that are happening, we all kind of know what we see out there. And one suggestion would be everyone maybe just back off Twitter 
uh, in the moment. But Brian, you are in the thick of it. You're being in Brooklyn. and Yeah, I live pretty close to Berkeley's. I'll say this, like, I don't know how else to be other than just like honest in this stuff. And like, I'm obviously super in support of the protests. But like my personal reaction to all this is I immediately like feel like I, I want to go to the belly of the beast on like, because I'm a big believer in the fact that like places like anonymous message boards like 4chan and and foxnews.com and that's not a, well, <laughs> yeah, the, that those places yeah, are where yeah. like a lot of the acrimonious like sort of um all, all of this like misinformation sort of like permeates from a lot of these places and i'm really i as just like a person who cares so much about media and where these things happen and come from and all that stuff like i cannot i i feel so addicted to those like really negative spaces so i was i was in a whole different sort of space with that basically just trying to piece together where all the counter protesting information like where all those minds are at with all this stuff and and it's a really dark place obviously it's like a really really sad dark place but uh i can't help but want to kind of meet people where they're at and try to pull them pull them back from from some really Be like bad no, no, no 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 this isn't true or yeah like, this exactly isn't... and it and it really i can't that's sort of my way of, of dealing with all this is basically like i find the people like i I know that there's an audience that will agree with what, you know, with what we're saying with protesting. And there's a huge audience that just like doesn't. And I want to go to find those people. That's sort of my instinct in all this. Um, And I don't know if it's good or bad. It's just what I do. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we sit here, it's Monday, it's 1050 a.m. And, you know, I feel like so much of the debate now is not even primary cause that everyone is fighting for. Not everyone, but hopefully a large majority of the population is 44. It's like, are you a good protester or bad protester? But even bad protesters, they're not protesters. They're, they're That's something different. And it's like we're debating whether you're protesting correctly as opposed to the, the addressing, tenants, yeah, the- addressing the police brutality of against a certain race of people. So it's like it's all very bad. And I think the best thing that we all can try to do is just redirect attention back to causes, back to helping out in any way we can to, to support the cause that you support. And as opposed to getting on Twitter and debating whether the person is doing something right or wrong, it's, it's just all very, I mean, it's so raw and emotional and like, you know, I don't live in New York city anymore. So I almost like I, as a white man who lives in the burbs, I feel like super unqualified to really be a part of the conversation, obviously, but it's important that everyone is involved. I will tell you this. So like before I was Nets podcaster Supreme, I did cover, I covered news, uh, local news in New York city for five or six years as a reporter on the ground. And I covered a ton of protests. I covered, you know, immediately after President Trump was elected, there were all the protests outside Trump Tower. I've covered protests of all shapes and sizes all across New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut and all those different places. And I do know from my experience that when there's a protest, the the interesting part about protests is that they are actually done in congregation with the police department. Where organizers of protests, one, they have to apply for a permit usually to even have a protest. You know, there, there can be sort of sporadic protests that, of course, pop up. But they, they go to the city to ask, can we have this protest? They plan the route out with the police department. And then during the whole thing, the police department is surrounding it, but it is directing it and keeping cars out of the way. And in this moment, we've been seeing this weekend, we've been seeing a lot of protesters protesting peacefully. And then you'll see like the 1% or 0.1% of people who aren't part of the protest who kind of come in and co-opt the cause for their own selfish reasons. And I can just tell you that if you haven't been a part of a protest before, those people don't, they're not a part of the larger thing. It's not as if people go to protest 
peacefully and then turn into something else. That's not what happens. People go to, go to protest peacefully, continue to protest peacefully until, you know, maybe something is instigated on a much higher level and a much deeper level. But the people, there are people who are just coming in, co-opting the cause in a really violent and unfortunate way. It's like, it's just really, it's just so nuts. And I feel, um, I, I'm already kind of saddened that we're not focusing on the main issue, the thing that has been discussed for decades and you know someone brought up rodney king and it's like that's been that was 30 years ago and we're continuing to sort of exist in this reality and 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 now we're debating protests and i don't want to mince words too like when i go to those like places on 4chan and and fox news like you're not going to be surprised to find out that you just find like pretty virulent racism it's just racism like their explanations for the violence is that you know it's they're just grounded in totally racist beliefs so like it, this thing goes deep you know it, it is it is straight to the to the core of, of our american value system and there's a huge percentage of people that just don't understand and um yeah it's like that's that's the people that i'm trying to to reach i guess um <laughs> brian's brian's doing like you're like the undercover cop in a movie who's getting sent in well, so to, to infiltrate I mean, the mob. I mean, without getting too much trying, into it, like, I do have my own like sort of like I do think that getting people who are like debating each other on the internet are kind of mis. In my opinion, I think that that's like not the way to. If you want to get someone to, to your side, it's sales. You're in sales at that point, and there's tricks to sales to get people to be even like wanting to hear what you have to say in the first place. So that's a lot of what I sort of try to. Like, I'm literally trying to bring people over to my side of of the aisle, and that comes at the cost of like not seeming you know aggressive or whatever or like wanting to debate like the the vet like the tenets of the of the thing that we're there for you come in skirt in the side and then you know you chip away at it and bring them over to your side eventually so that's sort of how i how i how i like try to think about this stuff anyways without getting too into it but like no um, no it's crazy i remember when we were growing up like I don't know, maybe you didn't get this message fed to you, but it was like MTV would tell you, you are the generation, you, Mike Smeltz, Brian Egan, your eight-year-old generation would be the one that will end racism and homophobia and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's going to happen. All the old people who are racist are, but that obviously, that isn't the case. And it's really, it's like. No, the amount of young people that that quietly have this like trollish, like pseudo-ironic racism that's like baked into their internet persona it's really it's really common and obviously i'm not coming to this realization now but it's it's heartbreaking that we in this country haven't figured out a way to really heal the original wound of the country and um you know it's and, and like again i i really hope that you know you've seen a change recently and the types of people that are speaking out about it i mean heck even taylor swift is tweeting at donald trump a a groundbreaking achievement it's all very strange and i will say this like to kind of link it i'm not trying to link it back to basketball but who knows what in the world would have been happening the butterfly effect of everything but if like if the season was continuing this would have been like nba finals time and i can't imagine the nba finals what that would have scenario would have even have been like in this moment there's something very like it seems like the the pressure cooker of this moment i mean think about the way in which george george floyd was was killed in broad daylight three cops standing around doing nothing in the middle of a pandemic it's beginning to it's just like i can't think of a more perfect storm for this kind of like 
Like, it just seems like if, if there wasn't a pandemic, if there wasn't all of this tension or all of our free time now to be able to, like, put attention, like, into this, like, people are being laid off and record numbers and furloughed and so on and so forth. It's just such a perfect storm for, for this kind of outbreak of protests. A lot of the protesting is extremely necessary. And, you know, it's just sad that there's, like, so much criticism of protesters when the point of the protests, which is police brutality, doesn't rise to that level of criticism in some corners. But... You know, we're going to talk about basketball and we're going to talk about, you know, player acquisitions and uh, yeah. Kevin Durant and big tra- injury time big transition coming up here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it I, we just kind of wanted to say a little something. I mean, again, Brian and I like try to stay sort of like we like to be in our little Nets cocoon and this is our Nets centric view of the world. And we like to sort of live in that bubble when we do this show, because, you know, typically people come to a podcast like this one, not to sort of hear two great minds debate the ills of racism, but to Mm. hear us continue to talk about whether Kevin Durant is going to play basketball again or like which players are most like which Pokemon, you know, it can get, it can get that kind of lowbrow with this this show. That is exactly the lane we're in. And we prom, I mean, we'll, continue to stay in that lane but it felt in this moment it would just be ridiculous if we didn't discuss exactly what the heck was going on so that was that we love you all and we appreciate all of you that's the end of our show everybody no um, no, no. no um okay let's get to some nets news brian some gossip mike Ooh. let's let's do it so you gonna spill the tea i kind of i love the way ian begley just gently dropped sort of this little nugget and so, so how the the origins of it? If you don't know Ian Begley, he is a really plugged in reporter for SNY. He was with ESPN for a number of years. Uh, he really covered the Knicks more, but of course, he has I'm sure Nets sources in his own right as well. And I think he has like some sort of mailbag column that comes out. And a question was asked of him: Who may be joining the Nets in free agency whenever free agency may happen? And Begley. Uh, couched it with basically like this is kind of ridiculous to have this conversation right now because we don't know anything about what is going to happen but then he says this that one respected veteran and one young talented player are already planning to try to join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this offseason and both of their contract situations would make it feasible is what he said of course Nets daily comment threads go Nets reddit a flame with uh, who that might be, who these mystery men might be. Hashtag Ben Stiller movies, mystery men. Brian, who are these mystery men? Which what ones? Do you, what, what do you want to go first? The the young, young I, rising stars or crusty veterans? I think young rising stars way more interesting because you can go in so many different directions. So who's your young rising star? Well, who's on I, the short gonna, list? I, I did not come up with this myself. I'm going to peel this directly off of a net income comment on a Nets Daily post. Just... Just want to cite my sources on this, but uh, it seems like a having looked into it a little bit more, it seems fairly likely that Alonzo Trier is <gasps> one of the, the name. names. That's the name. Um, I had no idea about this, but he uh, Alonzo Trier is best buds with Kevin Durant. Um, best best buds visited him. First NBA player to visit him after after the big injury. Um, so yeah, I. I I don't know. So there's that's the what I'm like when Bagley says a young like talented. Why just closed his eyes for eight seconds because <laughs> like, like I'm I'm trying uh, to because <laughs> here's the thing when you say like young talented player like Alonzo Trier probably isn't the first thing that comes to your mind. I think people are assuming <laughs> like when you, when you throw that into a trade package or whatever, that's like a Donovan Mitchell or something. You know, like a really exciting 
piece like that, but there is a pretty broad, there's a broad pool of players that fit that, that, that kind of cross section of, of young, more so young than talented, maybe, but like young and talented, fair to say. Um, and so those are, those are people that you don't get like super duper excited about. And that might be one of those guys. And like the also the the other part about this is it's young, talented, and who has the contractability, contract situation to make it feasible. So it's like, so that means this isn't Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell's on the. I think he signed an extension or will sign an extension soon, and they're gonna give him the max. And it's like he's not leaving this off season, no matter what. Donovan Mitchell, unless if it's a trade, not leaving this off season. And we, we he says contract situation which indicates free agency. Um, and if they are young and talented, but they have to be in someone's quote unquote doghouse because if they're young and talented, they'd want to stay with the team they're at because that team is going to offer them X amount of dollars if they're so young and talented. And Trier, which we can say, certainly in the doghouse because his rookie year under a different coach, he had 23 minutes per game. 11 points, two assists, three rebounds, about 40% shooting. That was rookie year. Knicks fans were super excited about Lonzo Trier. Um, Brian and I can talk about what we think about him in a second. His second year, he goes down to 11 minutes a game. He still hits 36% from three, but 11 minutes a game on a really bad team who could have used a guard, but they just... Trier was just done under the new coach, Mike Miller, I guess. And he he was done under, you know, just the that that's, this season... He was a complete non-contributor, and he will be available this summer for a team to sign. And of course, he's still going to be a guy that a team is going to want. I think you feel how I feel about Lonzo Trier, though, where it's like, okay, tell me with a contract. If it's a minimum deal, of sure, of course, a guy who shoots 40% from three and is a guard, that's interesting to me. But every time I watched Lonzo Trier, I was like, that is a junkie player. That is like, <laughs> it's like... A lot of elbows, a lot of knees, not tremendous explosive athleticism. Elbows and knees, interesting. Just he kind of just like had like a a prehistoric dinosaur vibe, but not not the T Rex I'm running after you vibe. It was more of just kind of like Stegosaurus. Yeah, a little little this clunky plant like he, eater. Yeah, and maybe I'm completely off Alonzo Trier. I mean, again, <laughs> he's, it's an abstract way of thinking about him for sure. Yeah, he he's prehistoric. Um, but okay, again, talk about contract. And you said the primary uh, draw factor for him. He was the first player to see Kevin Durant after Kevin Durant got his his surgery here in New York. If you remember, Kevin Durant, of course, tears his Achilles. I think it was in Golden State where he tore it, and he got his surgery in New York. You can't you can't joke like that with people because people then that's you <laughs> never mind. Forget it. What you can't you can't be stopped. Go ahead. What. I didn't do anything. I didn't Brad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll talk about Kevin Durant yeah. later. Yeah. But um, so that is an important factor. Like this team is already being built as net income. So delicately put the Fox, the FOKs, friends of Kyrie, friends of Kevin, FOK. Um, Trier is certainly would be a part of that cabal. Karis LeVert was also thought to be a part of that group, too. And who knows? If that's going to impact the trade situation this summer. Again, if it's Trier on a minimum, 100%. It would be a little disappointing, though, if the young and talented ends up being Lonzo Trier. The other two names I dug up, also disappointing. So I, I think I'm missing something. The documentary The Last Dance has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron 
the goat. One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the goat for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. It's because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology. Your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down there. Who writes this copy? It's so good. I love it. Triangle offense and manscaping. A beautiful pairing. So play it safe. They have all of this great technology. They have a travel bag that you can get that fits all this wonderful technology. The perfect package 3.0 kit with the lawnmower 3.0 water resistant cordless body trimmer. There's also performance boxer briefs that you could get as well. All this great stuff for hygiene in a perfect moment to be really dedicated to hygiene. When we're all at home, it's time to come out of quarantine and be looking your best and Manscaped can help you do that. You can also get 20% off and free shipping to Manscaped by using the code THEATHLETIC, all one word. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped and just use the code THEATHLETIC. Okay. Harry Giles got a lot of love. Did get a lot of love. A lot of love on the threads. I understand Harry Giles. He's like, he has very nice per 36 numbers. He right now, non per 36, like the reality numbers, seven points per game, four rebounds, not a three point shooter, but like a solid, like efficient player overall anyways. Um, But he's a guy I'm worried about because of the injury issue that he's had his whole life and that he like tore his ACL twice or whatever it's been. And the next name is a name that we've talked about before. And that I know Alex Schiffer from The Athletic really shifts for, if you will. Wow. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <clears throat> that just came up. Be, just turning 27. So is, okay, let me ask you this just in general. Is Michael Kidd Gilchrist, he's going to be 27 in September. Is he young and is he talented? <laughs> do you, I do. I mean, here's the thing. I am, again, I love it when, <laughs> when anybody like stands for some like deep analytical player. Like I, I like that. That's great. Um, for, for Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I don't doubt that there is some evidence of that kind of thing, but like whenever I look at his basketball reference, I, it's, it's like looking at Medusa, I turned to stone. It's so, it is so <laughs> egregious. It's the yeah. all Medusa team is our yeah. next podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there is, there is a, um, that is a statistically speaking, there's, it is galling how little production you get from Michael Kidd. Gilchrist. So, look, I, I'm open to the idea that he's like a a defensive wizard and everything. Also, here I'll say this: I think that the friend of Kevin thing is really what this is about, ultimately. And I don't know where he stands on being friends with Kevin Durant. Do you have any sense for his his friendship? His friendship, <laughs> friendship stats. Where's friendship stats? Here's an indicate. Well, so he would be a friend of Kyrie, of course. So they went to the same high school. Pretty sure they would have played at the same time in New Jersey. Um. But but here's the part that I think I want to lay out here. So Michael King Gilchrist was in Charlotte for seven seasons or whatever. This was his seventh season. And they buy him out. And the team he goes to is Dallas. And, like, if he was such a good friend of Kyrie or a good friend of Kevin, don't you think he already would have been on the Brooklyn Nets? I know the Nets had had a complicated roster situation. Like, the Nets are trying to figure out what to do with Chris Chioza. They're going to have to make a decision on that. They don't know, like, you know, they're going to have to cut Theo Pinson potentially. They, they, the Nets had a, a roster crunch. But if, if Michael Kidd Gilchrist was a guy that they already valued and they felt like this offseason that they were going to get, I would think that they would put him on the roster right now in the moment that he got released from the Hornets. 
That didn't happen. And then he went to Dallas and he didn't play. Didn't play. He averaged like 0.2 points per game, which is a tough thing to do because usually when you score, you at least get one point if it's a free throw. So getting 0.2, it's a really tough needle to thread. Okay, the only reason why I would like Michael K. Gilchrist is this team does need to load up on defenders in some way. Now, there's going to be a decent amount of them. Like Andre Roberson is a guy, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's brother-in-law, I'm pretty sure. We talked about the complicated Andre Roberson injury situation didn't we yeah i'm like two yeah maybe three shows ago yeah. basically so like there's, there's gonna be guys out there but so the roberson thing's tricky i mean obviously i think everyone would want a version of a player like that and i guess like the mkg is, is sort of what's out there on the market right now but i'm worried about the roberson knee situation like from what i've been reading it's not good and he's not i can tell you roberson is neither and this is what's fun about this he's not young and talented and he's not a respected vet because we can go under respected vet when I just tell you someone is a respected veteran of the NBA, who comes to mind? What kind of player comes to mind for you? Like, yeah. what is your bar for respect? <laughs> that's a, that's a funny An unrespected idea. veteran. Because like, because like you can, because you can have that. That definitely exists. Like, um, I'm trying to think. I don't want to. Feels just like a bad people. <laughs> it feels sort of. Sad. But there's like versions of that in the past of like I don't know, like Sean Bradley, right? Is like an yeah. unrespected vet. <laughs> uh, first one that comes to mind. Um, but yeah, like that. That's funny that that exists. Well, in I mean, should we just transition to that because yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we can kind of all integrate it. But like, uh, people have been throwing around the Serge Ibaka because obviously friend of Durant, uh, friend of Kevin, and um, but I every time I look at the his production and the salary situation that he's been at, like, unless I'm totally misreading how deep and abiding their friendship is, this this is a another payday for Serge Ibaka and not time to take a big pay cut and chase a ring. I think he can get really good money from a really good team still. Like that's where his his market is at. It's a is good he market. Averaging like 18 points he's in eight. Like, yeah, it's his. He's putting career highs like across the board pretty much. Um, and and he's already got like four tv shows that he's running in toronto right now yeah except in like, blocks he's given up on the block game he's tired of it very interesting yeah. career he's had <laughs> yeah. like he was the he was like the original stretch five uh c- kind of not the original one but of this generation the stretch five block maestro he was always he was the reason partly why they got rid of the thunder got rid of james harden was because they wanted to keep serge Ibaka. And then he get remember he's in orlando Orlando like over they they gave up Sabonis and Oladipo for Surge and like that didn't really work out and then of course he gets up to Toronto wins a championship and now now of all seasons like you said averaging a career high and I I of course respected veteran Serge Ibaka but he, he there's no way he's coming to the Brooklyn it's, Nets it's, it's beyond no respected way. it's it's beyond respected veteran at this point it's just like good like good like maybe good star player, player. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah that's not like Paul Millsap like, is a respected veteran at this point yes. you know yeah and that's, and that's a nice because like Paul Millsap whose numbers are way down from what they were in the previous few seasons they're still good but they're not you know he's not what he was when he was an all star at certain points he he's a guy who you could see. All right, one more ride. I'm going to do a two-year deal with a contending team. I think a lot of contending teams would want Paul Millsap, from what I can tell. Um, we I compared him previously to David West. He's a very David Westian type, kind of a smaller four who's still burly. And Paul Millsap's a way better shooter than David West was in terms of, like, he Millsap, if he's in the corner, you know, wide open, that's a pretty safe percentage that he's got. David West had that elbow jumper on lock, but that was, that was the weapon. That was... 
pretty much it for David West. And David West's like greatest attribute from what we understand was like people called him like the governor. You know, whenever you have a politician mm. nickname, it's usually I think that's going to shift over time that being called about a politician is going to be a negative. But still, there's like this this uh, level of uh, of if your nickname is I call Brian the governor, that means mm-hmm. that he's respected. That's right. People, I think they call Gary Temple Prez. They call him Gary Temple's another person that gets lauded with a politician's touch. Um Paul Millsap is one of those guys as well, I think. They do have a nickname like that for me. It's Dictator for Life. Dictator. <laughs> Dictator, yeah. So the Glue Guys have been running for seven years now, maybe almost eight years. It's pretty incredible. And over the time, we've really enjoyed engaging with you, the listeners. And one thing I do ask, though, if you are a listener, is that if you know you work for a business or own a business of some kind and you would like to get involved in advertising on the podcast which you certainly can do there's an easy way to do it here at the athletics so to advertise on this very show to reach all of the major nets fans all over the globe because we have listeners all over the world but many of them are in new jersey new york and connecticut go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads all one word theathletic.com slash podcast ads there's a very simple survey form on there we can get back to you right away on for whichever show you want to advertise for hopefully it's here at the glue guys it's a really pretty easy way to get like a nice targeted ad and i can tell you the type of listener that the glue guys have is extremely smart and well thought out and loves basketball and loves to eat food everyone who listens to the glue guys loves to eat food advertise with us if you're a food company or if you're not a food company we also all love to, you know, wear deodorant or we all love to wear clothes. Clothes, we don't have many nudists in the Glue Guys Nation. But if you are a nudist colony and you want to advertise, we do have some nudists who listen to the Glue Guys. So whatever company you are, I guarantee there's a person within the Glue Guys subset of fans that would be interested in your company. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads and you can advertise right here on this very show. Serge Ibaka, he is not coming. He is not coming to the Brooklyn Nets. There's no way. If there's no way in the world. Okay, let's just play out this scenario. I'm Serge Ibaka, career highs coming out of Toronto. Okay, I just won a championship last season. Who knows what's going to happen this season? And I have pretty high aspirations about myself. I'm doing all these media things. The only reason why I would take like uh, a minimum deal or like a vet minimum, like a vet mid range deal, is because I'm so desperate to play with Kevin Durant. He's staring at like a who knows what the salary cap's going to be and who knows how that's, that's going to impact a free agency. But in a normal situation, he would be making like 18 mil a year for three years or something like per season or he'd be making a very nice paycheck. And to go down and to give up 17 million dollars a year or 16 million dollars a year just because he enjoys Kevin Durant's company mm. is a wild thing for us to predict. But of course, I love Serge Ibaka and I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, look, if he wants to to take that pay cut and join the Nets, like, come on, Mike. And that's like, look, I'll, I'll give that a fringe, very fringe possibility just because um, I'm just reminded of like the Kirilenko situation in in like 2013 or whatever. Like when you have when you're competing for championships, there are strange things like that 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 happen um, where good players just want to want to play on your team, especially, and you live in New York. I mean, it's a good situation for anybody involved. Right. It's a pretty amazing situation in, and like the interesting thing where the Nets are sitting right now. Okay. If we're going to talk about Kevin Durant and coming back to play basketball soon, but let's just say for right in the moment, he does come back. 
The Nets get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lose, but it's just Kevin Durant, not Kyrie Irving. And the team gets all the way there with just Kevin Durant. The Nets are immediately going to become the team that, like, everyone's like, oh, they're going to win the championship next year. Unless if the Lakers win the championship. But, like, the Nets are going to become a top three contender immediately if they get to these Conference Finals with Kevin Durant and no Kyrie Irving. That is going to attract a lot of people. But typically, the ring chasers only happen when the team has already won a ring and then people kind of glom on to the to the team because they've already been proven that they can win a, ch- a championship. Like, the Heat didn't get that with LeBron until they won a championship, and then people kind of came in. Um, the Lakers didn't do it with, like, Carl Malone and Gary Payton until, like, obviously they had the residue of championships with Shaq and Kobe, and then it was just Kobe, I think, or Shaq, maybe he was on the team too. But it's like, it's too speculative for a veteran to say the Nets are the team I'm going to chase my ring at. But the New York piece is something. It's like, would you rather live in, unfortunately, Milwaukee or or New York? You know, hey, hey. I've never been to Milwaukee. Is it is it nice there? It's nice. It's Good. nice. It's nice. Um, I'd rather live in Milwaukee. Anyways, um, I have a couple more names for you. Respected veteran, okay? Tristan Thompson mm. is a respected veteran. Mm. He may... Want more? He you, made another you one. You and your Tristan money. Thompson. I forgot. I about love your Tristan Thompson. Love it. And we already have so much of of that player too. I know he would do. <laughs> yeah. He would do nothing because yeah. Tristan Thompson's at his best when he is like the center who's only focused on rebounding, offensive rebounds, and defensive rebounds. Doesn't really protect the rim, but he's like a, a fearsome rebounder and is a tough guy down low. And but they already have DeAndre Jordan. They still have Jared Allen. You know, Kevin Durant is going to be playing five at times at the end of games. Um, but he is a respected veteran. He's a tie to Kyrie Irving. If they sign Ty Lu, if not sign Ty Lue, but Ty Lue becomes the coach, you could see Tristan Thompson wanting to come to Brooklyn. Tristan Thompson, I mean, this is an element we should talk about. He's kind of quasi-married to Khloe Kardashian. And I think if you're a person that is within the Kardashian expanded universe, um, being in Brooklyn as opposed to Cleveland would be beneficial to uh, your time on the Keeping Up with the Kardashian show. And it's you're more likely to see Khloe Kardashian showing up. And, I mean, I know they have there's a lot going on in that relationship, so I don't I don't really want to step into that. You know, I don't want to. Get... Are you saying that that's a benefit that you want more Khloe Kardashian in your in your stadium? Well, the Nets do have a history with Kardashians. We, Chris I mean, Humphries. We, we, this is a demotion. We started out with the. <laughs> The president of the Kardashian Chloe, operation. I mean, Chloe, oh, Chloe is, is like, Chloe is like up. eclipsed. Chloe no. is up. I hey, would say. Were you upset to find out that Kylie Jenner is no longer a billionaire by Forbes's standards? Is I that... think, I think they're wrong. I think, I think, <laughs> she's, I think <laughs> there well, it is. Did you hear what? that whole. What's the, the lip thing? Because, because of the one lip kit. Lip kit? That's it. Lip that's, kit, man. That's why you need to be a billionaire is one lip kit. Dude, it's like, she's, I, she's see, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. That's, you that's not enough. Here's my thing. People want to. I don't, it's Kylie, Kylie. They want to rag on Kylie for, uh, oh, she's not self-made. I don't know. I mean, yeah, she's part of this like corporate machine of a family, but if you become a billionaire off of anything, 
I, I think I think, I it's think dis- that's pretty good. It's disqualifying for it's better self- than me. It's disqualifying for self-made. I'll say that. Like, there's no world in which being born into obscene wealth and having like a huge, <laughs> like huge platform, like that. huge marketing, like sure. engine that is your family. Uh, so I wouldn't say that's self-made. Is people debating whether this is self-made or not? She's the self. She, I think she's what? the first. People <laughs> are saying she's the first female self-made billionaire. Oh, I don't. Anyways, well, I that, that is what they're cr- saying. That's, that's the streets, crazy. But on the streets of Forbes, we need Wall to Street. we need to adjust our definition of self-made. But sure, <laughs> okay. Donald Trump self-made. Um, yeah, right, exactly. Okay. Um, sorry. Anyways, to so the I I I mean I gotta say I think the celebrity factor at at Barclays is going to be like amazing next year. That's always a fun thing. One of the fun things about going to Knicks games in particular is that they show like Billy Crystal's face on the screen or John Mulaney will flash on the screen and they have to hold their beer up and we all clap. There's a lot and of pressure on them now to chug the beer. That's the thing. For, yeah, if, you're, I, if you're like a football I mean, player, you, you got to chug that beer now. There's you a, better chug that beer. <laughs> yeah. It's the new kiss cam. And yeah. then <laughs> at Barclays, it's always like some just not the highest rapper on the charts or like a boxer. It's always well, a boxer. So here's what Barclays does, which you can tell is that they do like a sponsorship. Like the amount of times I've seen the, who's the shoe guy, Steve. Um, Madden. <laughs> Steve Madden. He's, like, he's always on there. Yeah. Like that is a, that is a deal. Somebody has signed, signed some papers for that. Yeah. And of course, Steve Madden is a sponsor of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And they always show him. Yeah. Do they? And they, I'm pretty sure they show the scene. Going yeah, into from Wolf of Wall, Wolf Street, of Wall Street, Steve Madden, which is which is a crime, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a like that was a criminal act? What they did, didn't they yeah. inflate his stock price or something? Yeah. They like, yeah. Well, they, it wasn't. <laughs> it was only a crime because they they benefited from it. Um, oh, okay, yeah. okay. I'm not. I don't. I'm not impugning the name of Steve Madden. Believe no, no. me, he he made it. He was he self made. That's a self made. He's self made. Yeah. But it's always Steve Madden, and I think next season we're gonna get a different level of celebrity. Like if it's Tristan Thompson, my dream, Khloe Kardashian's there. Yeah, we're I mean, gonna occasionally, see Be- occasionally Beyonce, we'll have real Beyonce, Bill, Bill Clinton, and like you know Jerry Seinfeld. Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton is there in the house. Yeah, yeah, um, and Clinton's always always smiling, always yeah. looking right saw, into another person. I saw Yang Gang uh, this year, like a lot of you know. A lot of polit- little political figures. Weirdly. Yeah, politicos love the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, um, it's the th- but, it's a thinking man's NBA team. I don't know. Let's move but on. But we're gonna. So I will say, and you know, I've been saving this take for a while, Brian. The first game of next season, whenever that may be, if we even have fans, Beyonce and Jay Z are sitting courtside, right? Like they, like if you had to power rank the celebrities who would show up for the first Kyrie, 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 Kevin Durant game. Power. Who, who would be the the top, the creme de la creme of celebrity to show up to that game? Number to one, me, top. Jay Z, Beyonce, Tom Hanks, <laughs> and Rita Wilson. <laughs> Rita Wilson, and no. <laughs> just below that, Billy Ed Crystal, Burns. and then Ken Burns, and then and Ken then Burns. Fao Schwartz will be there. Mister Schwartz in the house. The papaya dog will be there. <laughs> Uh, junior yeah. the cheesecake uh, <laughs> yeah uh, i'm just trying to think of like yeah like um, brooklyn celebrities i mean i think like so net income has been really hot on this idea that spike lee will be going to nets games and not Knicks games next season 
of course, because if anyone remembers before this this awfulness that we like to call the global pandemic that is the coronavirus, the best story that we had was that Spike Lee was feuding with James Dolan that he was thrown out of a game because of security protocols, alleged changing of security. And Spike Lee went on first take and trashed the Knicks in a very artful way. And I love Spike Lee and everything he does. And net income has been very hot. Spike Lee is going to become a Nets fan in the interim, even though Spike Lee has said, I am not going to become a Nets fan. I'm going to mm-hmm. be a Knicks fan. Um, does Is Spike Lee in the building for that first game? Like, like Knicks are playing opening night, same night. No, I'm talking about the Nets. Okay. I know, but like I'm just trying to position oh, the night. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. There's Positionally. two games, two tickets in town, and he's <laughs> picking Barclays over MSG. That's what you're saying. Yes. And uh-huh. okay, let's say th- so. The Nets at that time mm-hmm. would be one of the primetime teams. So th- their first home game is probably going to be on TNT or ESPN. And mm-hmm. the Knicks game, let's say the Knicks are playing the Kings to yeah. start the season. The Nets are playing the Rockets or they're playing the Clippers to start the season. Where's Spike Lee? I would love if Spike Lee turned heel and and put on the black and the W the NWO black and white and went Hollywood Spike Lee all over this. Um, this is, these are wrestling references for those yeah, really. those of you who weren't glued to your sets in, in, yeah, in, in 1999. Um, uh, yeah, that would be great. I would love that. Just I mean, I don't I don't know that he would do that though. That seems yeah. that seems like a big a big leap for for Spike Lee. This is a whole life of of fandom, and and you know, I think Spike Spike Lee is a real dude. I think he would it would be really hard to pry him away from that team. And as he has said, he pay he has paid for the tickets for thirty years. He's not. There are a lot of celebrities who go to Knicks games who get tickets from the Knicks, and because they get tickets from the Knicks, they are less critical of the team than mm-hmm. someone like Spike Lee who pays his own money. I mean, I think he calculated his assistant or Max Kellerman on first take calculated he spent $800,000 on Knicks tickets over his life. Yeah. Um, inflation and all that fun stuff thrown in there, too. Uh, Spike is a real fan. And I, I would love, of course, to see him like you. I would love to see him there at Barclays. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't really I don't lust after it, though. It's like yeah. he can be a Knicks fan. And to me, the type of person Spike Lee is. He wants to see the Knicks be good when Dolan sells the team. Like he like wants to be there still. Yeah. And be in, you know, in the trenches with the other. Totally. Knicks fans. That's I mean, that's what I that's what you respect in a, in a fan. Right. Like if you ever see him, I don't know, whatever Lakers fan or Yankees fan, you're just like, you don't get it. You've never you've never really gotten it. <laughs> you've never you can't. sweated in your you're life. Just, you're just on a, a, a gravy train with biscuit wheels and you have no idea what struggle really looks like. And, you know. There's also all this other sort of data about how much fandom is is based on if the team was good when you were a kid. And if you've seen Crooklyn, recommend a Spike Lee joint. Uh, you'll know that it's like loosely autogra- autograph bio-autographical. Anyways, based on his life uh, growing <laughs> up in Brooklyn. And a big part of like that character, the, the young Spike Lee, is that he is like singularly fascinated with the then world champion New York Knicks in the 70s there. Um, and those are big years for him and life defining. And I think that that's really baked into the cake with, with Spike Lee. And I would actually say that like, if you, if I mean, it would be really mind blowing, if you like, you know, very publicly dunked that fandom into the trash can and, and change ships, that would be pretty, that would be like, if I was a Knicks fan on any level and I saw that, I'd be like, wow, this is actually, 
this is happening. This this team is, has truly pooped the bed. Because they've already fired their coach and Leon Rose is now – like there's going to be this whole – it always happens when yeah, the they do. Yeah, they do, do. An, just enough turnover to like yeah. – yeah. It's a lot they of – They just <laughs> twisted enough. Yeah. So it's like, okay, new regime's in. Yeah. We have Phil Jackson. We're going to be doing this. We just drafted Chris Porzingis. Man, this team's heading off in the right direction. Oh, we just got Carmelo Anthony. Oh, we have Jeremy Lin. And then, you know, things always twist back. It's like mm-hmm. the Knicks do just enough – to get their fan base sort of like back onto a certain even footing. And then it just gets washed away. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to happen here. Like they're going to get Chris Paul and they'll have Chris Paul, RJ Barrett and Bobby Portis. That'll be their team. And whoever they draft with the eighth pick overall or whatever. Yeah. If you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U S have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say a week? Maybe. Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer Complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a licensed U.S. physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, I think, so, and I'll just, we had a, we did, this whole conversation was beginning with a respected vet. I'll just, I'll just throw a couple of names out there. We've talked about Kyle Korver before. You know, what's interesting about Kyle Korver, so he's, he's shooting 42% from three this year. Um, He's, he's, you know, he played in Cleveland. I think he played under Ty Lue. I'm almost 100% sure he played under Ty Lue in Cleveland. He's played with Kyrie before. Um, He's a guy who could very much continue to be looking for his last run, but he's in Milwaukee already. And he's, he's, he's doing really, he's got he's got yeah. that job. Yeah, he's already like so like I don't know if he wants to then move again to Brooklyn. Like he's already in a juggernaut, yeah. you know, in my <clears throat> movie. Uh, Stephen Maluski on I think it was Nets Daily Thread said Marcus Morris. Uh, sure. Marcus Morris. Sure. Throw him a respected vet. Morris ones are respected. They're officially respected vet territory. They're they are no longer young talents. They are yeah. now respected vets. All right. <clears throat> I'll, I'll hear it. So what I do think like overall, okay, about this, and we've talked about it before, is that the the Nets whole like focus is gearing up into this offseason, not in terms of like what's going to they don't they're not throwing away this season. But like Marx has had a three year plan that the moment he came in and he continues to push that, push that forward. And I'm sure he knows Begley says that there's a respected vet young talent. I'm sure Marx himself knows who those people are and. The minute free agency begins, whenever free agency is going to begin, we're going to know like, oh, it is Serge Ibaka. Oh, my God. And then it's Lonzo Trier. What what great additions to the team. You know, I think it's just it's a great place to be as a Nets fan. The fact that there are two people who are talented in the NBA in some way that are interested in joining the Brooklyn Nets to help build out this roster. Um, I am interested to see. Like this roster is already again crunched in terms of how many people they have. They kind of need to condense some of it and like make some trades to 
three for ones. And I kind of think that's why mm-hmm. that's why a mega trade for Bradley Beal, though probably not Bradley Beal, is interesting because I think you could, if you package a bunch of talent together to get an A player, an A-plus player, package together a bunch of B-pluses, then you can fill out your roster with the respected vet, the young talent, uh, draft pick, but they're probably trading a draft pick in any trade. So there's like, I think the roster construction is going to be extremely interesting for your Brooklyn Nets as we go Brad- forward. Bradley Beal's been in the news, not talking about signing with the Brooklyn Nets, for sure. Who's that? So, Brian, we've gone 45 minutes, and it feels like uh, this is the proper place to end. Because if, if we if we get into a Kevin Durant timeline discussion, this pod's going to go three and a half hours. Well, and it's going to be me. the Irishman. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> the Irishman, yeah. Uh, it will be like the Irishman, yeah. So I think what we'll do is we will pause this episode. Some more NBA news is going to come out. So yeah. like we're going to learn a lot more about what the, the structure is going to look like. I will just say one thing, Brian. One oh, thing. Boy. Oh, jeez. We are so close to learning whether Kevin Durant will, in fact, play basketball. Okay. Just leave it there. That's juicy. That's juicy. Don't put any more context on it. We're so close. Thank you all for listening. Um, We will be back in your ears later this week talking about Kevin Durant, talking about Kyrie Irving. Um, (laughs) We appreciate you. We love you. other things. Hashtag blessed. So so many other things. Uh, And also stay safe out there, people, while you're doing all this stuff. Remember to stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. Thanks, everybody.